Blog Talk Radio. Enough of that. Welcome to the HR Happy Hour Show. My name is Steve Bowes. I am joined by, of course, Trish McFarland. Trish, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. That was last from the past, right? Intro. It that sure was. Crazy. was. <laughs> yeah, a little, a little uh, from the memory bank of the, of the show archives. The old Get Happy song. The old Get Happy intro. We used that a lot back in the day. I think. I think you did. That was that was definitely before I was uh, on the show with you. I was, I think, just a listener and and <laughs> occasional occasional guest or guest host back then. So, wow. no, that's great. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So let's uh, for folks who are listening live, uh, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. It is New Year's Day, 2020. We are recording the show in the morning. Not quite happy hour yet, but I guess it's New Year's Day. So I think it's a 24 hour kind of happy hour. I think today and. Um, uh, it's great to be with you. We thought we'd do a fun, uh, special live show to kick off 2020 uh, on the HR Happy Hour show. Our, it, I guess, Trish, technically our third decade of the HR Happy Hour, uh, because we did start the show in 2009, and we, we did celebrate our 10th uh, anniversary back in May of this uh, of last year. I guess I have to say now. So uh, into our third decade of, of the show. That's crazy. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. And, you know, and, and and as an older millennial too, it's uh, uh, it's interesting to me that we've been at this so long. I, I started the show at, at 23, maybe when we started, and so um, <laughs> you're you're an older millennial. I love it. <laughs> I think that's where where I'm going uh, in the future. You know what? That in my, go ahead. Steve Boomers should be proud. Where whoa, that where whoa. that badge probably. Let's let's. Let's keep this uh, sophisticated here. All let's not right, uh, right. let's not go there. So Trish, all right. Let's. Uh, what are we going to talk about today? We want to talk a little bit about 2019. We also want to talk a little bit about the decade, right? Uh, some uh, things that have happened in the last 10 years from uh, business, from HR, HR tech, but also pop culture, right? We love that. We love doing uh, our shows around movies and sports and. Um, technology in general. So we're going to talk about some of that too. Uh, just a kind of a wide range of topics I think we want to hit today this morning as we kick off 2020. I think um, I want to hit, well, go ahead. You want to also talk about the Rose Parade. I was going to say for anyone who follows us, um, especially me, I am one of the biggest Rose Parade Tournament of Roses fans. And um, again, Another year, I am not there. So I'm, you know, my whole life I've been waiting. Eventually, I well, will get there. But one more year, going. I will be talking about it and tweeting about it and watching it. And so I do have it. I don't have the volume up. There's a big intro going on. I'll probably have to go back and like, you know, re-listen to it. But yeah, I'm excited. So we can talk about that too. Yeah, absolutely. I've got it on the second screen here, also muted. There's some sort of big song and, and dance number happening. I'm not sure what that's about. Fireworks. It looks pretty fun. Trish, um, I, 
I was looking back on the uh, the decade in, in technology and in business and, and all that, and I, I found one kind of interesting factoid I wanted to maybe start the show with. And, okay. Um, and I want to hit you with this, and we can take it from there, because I think this is might might be the most significant um, uh, the most significant development or um, uh, issue or not issue maybe. Anyway, here it is. Ready, Trish? Something significant happened on July 5th, 2010. You want to take a guess at what that was? July 5th, 2010? Oh my gosh. I don't even, I don't have any idea actually. No, no clue. July 5th, 2010 was the first official Uber ride. Was it really? Yes, I did. I looked that up. I found that on the internet, which means it's true. Oh my goodness. And to me, like that one thing, that what what that kicked off, what that what that has led to, what all the things that have developed from there, I think if I had to pick one thing, right? Because the decade prior, everybody points to the iPhone, the first iPhone, which came out in two thousand and seven. And right. I kind of would buy that. That was probably the most significant single development or tech thing that happened in that decade. For me, in, in the decade of the of the teens, I'd go with the first Uber ride. I don't know. What do you think about that? I mean, obviously it's it's a huge one and I think that's something that's just become, you know, a normal part of life. I think for me, and I'm gonna I'm gonna it, um, but for me it's probably um the Amazon, you know, Echo devices. Um being mm. able for me personally both to you know, to speak to Alexa and have her serve up whatever information I need to be able to order things, you know, and have them delivered, um, you know, within a day or two to my home without going to a computer, typing things in. I, I actually do that all the time. And, and even here on the show, we have the, you know, the Alexa version of the show. So for me, I think it's got to be the, the Echo would be my big big game-changing technology over the last 10 years. Yeah, I'm with you on that as well. I kind of, when I was doing some digging into this and a little prep for the show, kind of, you know, decade in review kind of articles, I was reading the, I wrote down the Alexa as well, the uh, the, the smart uh, assistant, the, the um, that actually debuted in 2014, by the way. Uh, I don't have the month on there, but the Alexa first uh, was launched in uh, Alexa capability on the Echo devices in 2014, and you're right. I, I mean, I, I probably talk to Alexa more than I talk to almost anybody else. Like l- I literally speak to her every single day. <laughs> I talked to her today for a while, you know, and yeah, that's a big deal. Now, do you, when you say talk to her, so you mean like asking for information or are you actually using some of the chat bot features where you can actually have a conversation? Uh, I would say it's primarily asking for information, uh, you know, some of the, obviously the basic stuff that most people would, would, you know, ask Alexa for of, uh, updates about news and weather. Uh, you mentioned the Alexa show, the, the HR happy hour show on Alexa that we do. So that's part of the news update. So every morning I'll ask for the news update and I have the, of course I have our Alexa show on there, but I also have, you know, the NPR headlines and the, the business news headlines, et cetera, et cetera. So I do that every single day. Just about. Maybe some days I might forget, but then, uh, yeah, other updates, weather, um, sports. I'll ask, you know, uh, you know, I don't want to say it too loud because she'll come on and <laughs> come on the show, but I'll, I'll say, hey, Alexa, know, what time is the next like game tonight? <laughs> yeah. No, I was thinking too, though, um, you know, one of the things I did was that for my grandfather, 
a few years ago. And, you know, he was living alone at the time and, you know, fairly lonely. And he figured out how to use it for actually chatting with the device. And so, you know, he could say, oh, let's talk about music or let's talk about politics or whatever. And it would actually respond back and forth like a real conversation. So um, it's interesting, you know, he would say please and thank you to to his, you know, Alexa and and so forth. But he, he actually used it for, you know, for conversation when he was a little bit lonely, which was kind of nice. And now with the features where you can drop in on family members, what about you? I just got the the show, the Echo Show. So whether it's my parents or, you know, friends or whatever, I actually see them when I have conversations mm-hmm. with them. Again, without, without my telephone, I can be sitting here on my couch and, you know, be talking with my mom really easily and actually see them. Or we could watch a TV show together or whatever. So for me, that's a huge, just big technology change that really impacts my daily life. Yeah, I'd agree with that, all of that, Trish, for sure. And I, I do, uh, I think, bigger picture, right? I think the, the implications for that capability in uh, both our personal lives and our workplaces are, are really significant. So, yeah, I, I maybe the Uber thing I mentioned just because of how that's impacted work um, at a macro level, right? That, I mean right. – you know, what that, what that engendered, what it launched, you know, from Instacart to DoorDash to Grubhub to Postmates to um, cleaning services, on and on and on, right? The on-demand economy, right, started kind of back then, and the implications and the, and the repercussions of that are incredibly significant from a, from a pure tech side, I'd agree with you. The, the smart assistant, you know, largely led by Alexa, uh, I think that's going to be the biggest significant tech trend going forward for the next 10 years, for sure, both at work and personal. I'm with you all the way on that. Yeah. You know, I think the thing is, it's, it's been interesting to look back over the last 10 years, even in preparation for the show, there, there are so many things that have have really changed. And, you know, we, we would have never been able to predict some of the things that we use now as, as an everyday part of life. And so what that's very exciting though, for the next 10 years, right? Like what have we not even dreamed up that, 10 years from now, we'll just be something we use every single day. Can't imagine mm-hmm. life without, you know, and really, yeah. I know it was a little bit before this last decade, but, you know, even something like Twitter, um, even something like blog talk radio, right. Being able to have communication channels and things like that, you know, within the last 12 years, even um, that are pretty monumentally life-changing in terms of yeah. the way that people communicate and the impact on work as well with social media and the way people recruit with that and, and so forth. So, yeah, I think there've been a lot of big changes in the last, you know, 10 or 12 years that are really impactful to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Um, it reminds me of that old saying about technology change and innovation, which is uh, something along the lines of, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, which is we we tend to overestimate the impact of technological change in in the short term, but we underestimate it in the long term, right? And so if you, and I think that's why it's useful to look at the long the long-term trends, right? The 10-year trend, right? To see, just think about how much differently we are interacting with technology in our personal lives and our professional lives, say from 2010 till, till now versus, you know, incremental year by year where, where the changes are a little bit more subtle and a little slower, but over the long-term uh, really significant. Mm. Trish, I had a couple of other just quick numbers I wanted to throw out at you because I, in my extensive pre-show preparation. I did take the time to look these up, so I do want to read them if you're ready for that. Okay. 
<laughs> Here we go. Um, United States population, Trish, January 2010, approximately 309 million persons. In, by the end of 2019, okay. okay, 309 million persons. End of 2019, approximately 328 million persons. So about a 19 million, wow. 19 or 20 million increase in population, which seems like a lot, but it's, it's not really that much, right, on a percentage basis over, over, over a decade. Here's what right. another interesting – but here, let me give you two other stats, though, I think are really interesting. Unemployment, United States official unemployment, Bureau of Labor Statistics, January 2010 was still 9.8%, just off oh, its nice. – yeah, just off the post-recession high, which it, it plateaued at about 10%. So at the beginning of that decade, 9.8%. As we ended 2019, the last data was from November of 2019, 3.5%. So from almost 10% wow. down to 3.5%. And then the last two numbers I'll give you, and then it's hard on the podcast to just read a lot of numbers, but total employed persons in the United States, again, Bureau of Labor Statistics uh, data, about 130 million people in January of 2010, okay, 130 million people, employed persons. In uh, November 2019, that number up to 152, right? So 30 million more people working in the United States by the end of the decade. That's more than the total number of people increased in the whole country, all persons, all ages, yeah. right? Incredible. Those stats are incredible to me. Yeah, that's interesting, too. And I think, you know, a lot of it you'd have to really dig in on, but, you know, it has to do with the makeup and the ages of that workforce, right? Um, you know, the boomers have gone through a lot of change in the last 10 years in terms of, you know, either leaving the workforce or changing the type of work they do or the amount of time they're working, like things like that um, come into play. And then I think, you know, too, just like all of the we talked about, you kind of joking at the beginning about millennials, but obviously millennials joining the workforce, you know, that's a, a much larger population than Gen X um, that we're mm -hmm. part of. So, yeah, I yep. think those things, all it'd be interesting to do a show just kind of digging in deeper on some of those numbers and, and thinking about, you know, what got us to this point. Um, and I guess, too, also it makes me think of, you know, we keep hearing about the war for talent all these years. Well, obviously you can see why, right? There's you know, the unemployment rate has gone down significantly. So there truly is a war for talent. I know there was several years there where people were like, is that a real thing? Is this just, you know, kind of a catchphrase or buzzwords? And no, it's a real, it's a real thing. So interesting to see how technology has responded to that as the numbers have shifted over this last decade. Yeah, totally. Trish, you're, you're absolutely right on all of that because the numbers bear it out, right? The, with the unemployment rate so low, the total number of people working so high, I don't, I didn't dig these up but the, the number of open jobs in the United States has hit record highs several times in 2019, right? It's, it's probably still around 7 million or so, right? Uh, posted jobs uh, open in the United States right now. There remains fewer officially unemployed persons to fill all the open jobs, mm -hmm. right? That number is under one, that ratio. So yeah, I think that's all true. It's basically what we're saying is it's just a decade of incredible recovery, incredible growth, incredible, um, labor market tightening right across the board. We hear this everywhere we go, right? For the last how many, five years, probably, Trish, all the events that we go to and all the people that we speak to, right? It, everyone's got their talent challenge story that they want to tell us. Oh, absolutely. And I, th you know what, though? I think that um, just maybe a, a more macro look at it. I do feel like when I speak with HR leaders, they do feel more empowered than ever, though, at making 
the decisions that are necessary when it comes to how things need to run in the workplace, how to work with other business leaders to make recommendations and changes, how to understand, you know, using technology to make better business decisions. I do feel like I'm, I'm getting that sense that people are better educated than they were maybe 10 years ago, which is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think just, in, I mean, to me, it, it just says to me that the 20, the twenties are shaping up to be at least at the beginning, right. As being an incredibly powerful and important and, and exciting time for people in the HR and talent game, right. It's, it's um, probably never been more important as well inside the organization that you have, the, the right people leading your people function, if that makes sense. And uh, I think the opportunity. I would, I would agree. Yeah. I, I would just say, I would agree because again, I think this has been a time of, you know, everyone sort of having to do a reset on you know, 10 years ago about like what, what business skills do HR leaders really need, um, mm-hmm. you know, and how not to just be, you know, sort of, you know, highly focused on our own, you know, I guess, compliance driven, which is still important. Obviously that's the at the core of everything, but, you know, to really branch out and become business people, I think that's happened. And I think that when you look at the tools that people are actually using and, and beginning to use, maybe if they're, you know, they've been in companies where it took a while to sort of get on board. But, you know, when you think about jobs that didn't exist 10 years ago um, mm-hmm. and how human resources have had leaders have had to make, adjustments and changes and be ready to create jobs that didn't exist 10 years ago and then to figure out quickly how to staff those jobs right it's a it's a very exciting time for HR and recruiters because I don't know I feel like our jobs are changing maybe more than more than many others in that yeah, regard I think that's a great point I was I was doing a presentation a few months ago Trish on on this topic of reskilling, which we're, we're going to be talking a lot about on the show in 2020. But um, at any rate, part of that presentation, what I was, what I, what I wanted to do was take like, um, I didn't do this for an HR job, which is maybe what I should have done, but I picked another really common job that most organizations have, which would be like, you know, a marketing manager, right. That, you know, kind of mid-level marketing person. And I found a couple of uh, currently posted job descriptions Right for just you know right, you know went on Indeed found a couple of marketing manager job descriptions a couple of companies doesn't matter which company they were and I looked at what these job descriptions were um, some of the skills and capabilities that these job descriptions required and found you know half a dozen skills capabilities um, uh, competencies technologies et cetera et cetera maybe more maybe more like ten that just didn't even exist, say, five, six, seven, certainly not 10 years ago. They just simply did not exist, right? So uh, the, wow. and that's for a job that every company has, right, and, and probably has a hard time filling. And I think we could say the same for HR managers and purchasing managers and supply chain managers and on and on and on, I think. Oh, absolutely. I think the, just from the HR perspective, and that's whether you're, you know, more of a core HR manager or whether you are in talent acquisition, I think that, if you look at just the skills required to gather and analyze data, that alone mm-hmm. was, I don't want to say non-existent 10 years ago, but it definitely, I was, I was never questioned about that at any, you know, interview I was ever, ever a part of for any HR job. I was never questioned about my experience, um, you know, with, with buying HR technologies, for example, until I think until my last, as a practitioner. So, you know, VP of HR level, 
sort of stuff. Right. right. Again, right. I think those yeah. are changing. You know, I think right now, if you come out of college and you're going to work in human resources, those are going to be questions that pop up. Like, what are your, you know, what are your skills that are going to help you do that? That's daily part of the job, man. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, going to be a great, great, exciting time for sure for in work, workplaces for HR people for sure. Trish, it is New Year's Day. It is a uh, holiday right here in America. And I guess, you know, Trish, I read something that in Japan, this is the biggest holiday of the year in Japan. I didn't know that until I was, uh, yeah. So shout out to all our Japanese listeners. Yeah. They're, uh, yeah, we they're, do uh, have, it's funny. We do have some. And I think that that's what's, that's what's most fun. We can maybe touch on the fact that, you know, we've done in the last 10 years, I think you and I have started traveling globally um, much more, especially in these mm-hmm. last five years. And it's interesting to me to go around the world, speaking at events and just meeting people that maybe I've sort of, I'm using air quotes, like met online. And sometimes the first thing that they talk about is listening on the HR happy hour. And they're so excited. Um, that's been in Europe. It's been in, in Asia. It's been really exciting. Middle East where people are actually listening to the show. So yeah. I think that's fun. That is fun. Who so, knew? uh, yeah, that's right. I'm still wearing my HR Happy Hour shirt. I wear it to the gym a lot. My old, the old with the old logos. Uh, we could, I know we need we need some new merch because we've re- rebranded and replatformed. But um, we hey, what we wanted to also do though, in addition to sort of doing a little bit of a reset and a look back on work, workplace, technology. We talked about Uber. We talked about Alexa, changes in the HR um, competencies and skill sets that'll be needed going forward, and et cetera. That's all good and fun and important stuff, and that's mainly what we talk about on the show all year long. But we also do some other things on the show, right? That are fun. And we thought mm-hmm. we would do a little bit of today on the on the happy hour for the new year. Uh we want to hit some of the pop culture highlights of the last uh decade or so, or even 2019, depending on, you know, how you'd like to approach this. And and so Trish, I just threw out a random list of topics to you in our pre-show prep uh, the other day. I, you know, movies, books, music, TV, sports. You know, <laughs> I, you, let's just pick a few. I'm going to, you want me to start with one and then we no, can kind of go back and forth. All right. No, you hit I me, hit me up. So I think this is important actually, because and we haven't talked about any of these, so we'll, we'll see how this goes. Um, for me, sort of joining on as, as your co-host, one of the things that hopefully I brought to the show was the love of movies and more importantly, workforce movies, right? We've, we've kind of started uh, the last couple of years not only doing the show about the Oscars every year, which, which is an interesting time because it's sort of like this is the time of year where we start guessing. Um, yep. Actually, probably like November, December before any other award shows are sort of announcing their nominees. But we sort of guess like which, which movies are making the biggest impact. And they're not always the most interesting movies. But I think it's surprising to me over the years how many – have such um, a connection to the way that people work and communicate. So why don't we tackle some of the movies? I know that there are a couple um, articles out there over, you know, this last decade, but one that I know we both read and in, in GQ was sort of around um, every best picture um, ranked. And mm-hmm. we kind of joked around a little bit about, you know, which one should have been, you know, lower on the list, higher on the list whatever but I don't know I mean we've done several years worth of shows about the Oscars we've actually even been do you remember a couple years ago when we were at is it Ceridian 
analyst day. Right. And it was right like the day or two before the Oscars. And we were out in Hollywood and we got to walk down the street and see like all the setup. Oh my gosh. That was, I do remember that. Yes. So great. So great. So I don't know. I mean, obviously there are a lot of great movies. Um, So I'm just going to kind of scroll down here and, and why don't we say like the top, what do you think? The top five, the top 10, what's, What's your preference to? Uh... I, I I read the same list as well, and again, I kind of focused my attention on the best picture nominees of, of the last decade, and particularly ones I'd seen. And I I wrote down one, two, three, four, five. I wrote down six. So okay. that that I pulled out of that list is my favorite six of the decade. I'll throw I'll throw a couple okay. of them out. If you, the, yeah, the go one ahead. I threw out there. One I threw out there was Arrival, 2016, sci-fi movie, which I loved a lot. Did not win for Best Picture. Did not really win for much of anything, I don't think. Uh, really crying didn't. shame. I love that movie. And uh, re- eminently rewatchable. I think could be a candidate for Workplace Movie Hall of Fame podcast somewhere down the road because there's a lot oh. of workplace things happening in that movie. Uh, that was one particularly I pulled out. Maybe not necessarily my favorite, but one when I looked at that list and said, "Oh, this was this was one of my favorites for sure." That 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 one was big for me. You know, I, I'd be curious to know. You, you mentioned doing it as a workplace Hall of Fame movie, but what what about that one sort of intrigues you from from a work perspective? I mean, was it the fact that you know she's you know she's a I guess she's technically a professor, right? Um, right. But, you know, kind of being pulled into this this military, you know, um, investigation, right? Of aliens coming here and being sort of thrust into that without any sort of preparation or education or training or anything. I mean, like, what what about that movie really strikes you, though, as sort of unique and important? Yeah, I think that was the cultural kind of conflict there, right? She was coming from a- academia and getting into that, that world of uh, command and control in the military and her having to kind of prove herself and very skeptical higher-ups, et cetera, et cetera. And she really did kind of know the right way to approach the problem, but no one really wanted to believe her or trust her because that was not their nature to do that, right? Their nature was to just give orders, right? And uh, mm-hmm. I think that was uh, – com- interesting to me as well. And the, the colleague that she works with in the movie, the kind of co-star in the movie is her colleague in that, in that workplace scenario. And he's kind of an interesting guy too. So um, yeah, I, I, it's just a movie I loved a lot and um, could, could be a good, good conversation we could do down the road. So give, give me one from your, your list, Trish, like what's one that really stands out to you in the last 10 years? Well, it's funny because they actually have it ranked as number one, which Ooh. I'd probably agree. It's Moonlight. So it did win, um, you know, um, as best picture. It's just such a touching story about uh, a boy who is bullied and sort of, you know, not, I would say not loved by his, his mother and a drug dealer mm-hmm. takes under his wing and really kind of teaches him what it is what it means to be a man. And of course, you know, in a very sort of rough upbringing, he goes through all of the different things and, and, you know, things you probably shouldn't do and trouble that, you know, any teenager could get in and it's kind of magnified, but 
I don't know. It's such a coming of age movie and it's told in just a really touching way. I don't know that it really has work <laughs> workplace implications, but yeah, I would not, say not for anyone, much. if they yeah. haven't have seen it, you know, but maybe if I think about it from a workplace perspective, you know, when you think about a child sort of taking away some and learning some really good skills from a man who is a drug dealer, and but but being cared for essentially by him and and learning about what it is to be a man. I mean, I think there are those situations in work, right? Where maybe maybe the theme is sort of more like the unlikely coach, right? Mm-hmm. The the person that's very different from you, who may not be the best leader, they may not be the best worker, right, in your workplace, but maybe they're the person that you need the most to learn from because they are so different and they have a very different perspective from you. And they'll challenge you. So, I mean, I guess you can tie it kind of to, to a workplace scenario. But anyway, I thought that one was beautifully done. And, and I will watch that one as many times as possible. So, Yeah, that's a great choice as well. That was a really stacked year. I remember from we did the HR Happy Hour Oscars preview show that year. That was maybe our second or third one we had done. And 2016 mm-hmm. was a really stacked year for movies. Uh, people might remember oh, that yeah. as the year, right, where the best picture was uh, read out incorrectly, right, when they were actually giving the award. That was that year. Right. With um, You also had La La Land in 2016, as well as Arrival that I've already talked about, uh, as well as another one was on my list. And, ma- and then maybe we can, we can pivot off to some other topics. But I had Manchester by the Sea on my list as well as one that really stood out to me. Like I, I hadn't watched it in a while. And, and when I read that GQ list and that ranking of all the best picture nominees, I thought, Oh wow, that's a really, really good one. I, I'd like to watch that again, even though it's a bit of a rough watch. It's, it's kind of an emotional movie. Right. You know what? It's funny as we're talking about just movies in general, when I so I'm pulling up, obviously we've done the Oscar show for a number of years, as you mentioned, but that might be the best year of movies. Because yeah. That was a great year. That year were Arrival, Fences, Hacksaw Ridge, Hell or High Water, Hidden Figures, oh, like La La Land, Lion, Manchester by the Sea, and Moonlight. Like, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on a limb here. Every single one of those could have won except for Fences. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny as I remember that show now. I remember doing that show with you, and you, you, you came oh. off the top rope on Fences, and you, 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 oh. you know, you body slammed that movie. You did, you did not like that movie. Through it. No. And, I, I like a lot of movies, like, and I will suffer through a lot of movies. And I even, some movies I think I don't like the first time through, I'll watch it again, just to try and glean some little hint of something good. No, I can never get there with that movie. That's just never going to happen. So I don't know. Anyway. All right. Funny. Let's, let's, let's pivot, Trish. <laughs> I'm going to let you sort of pick the next subject or category. We, you know, we oh. want to go books, TV, sports. Uh, other things you, you, your, your call okay can can we do a movie slash book and then you can totally take on the books because okay um, okay so one of the one of the the movies and books that I would say is the best either way you go is called by your name oh um, okay and to think about you know I really 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 did not want to like that movie or book and wound up loving them both and I'm actually really excited because the sequel is getting filmed right now it's going to come out soon um you know the the sequel book is also out so for me that was like that was such a great story from this decade um 
I don't know. That was one that kind of stands out for me. I think I also just read a ton of business books. You know, mm-hmm. we could probably mention two or three that came out um, by a frequent guest, Dave Ulrich, right? We oh, love Dave, Dave's books. Yep. Um, um, so I spent a lot of time reading HR and business-related books. But, yeah, that's one that, that stands out for me. What about for you? Well, I did love that movie as well. I did not read the book, Call Me By Your Name, but I, I loved the movie and have watched it a couple of times and, and certainly one of the best movies uh, of the decade for sure. Really, really high on my list. I would, uh, in terms of books, Trish, I'd say the same thing. I probably read more businessy things and prep for the show. We, we do have a number of authors on the show, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out three books that um, – Probably listeners listening to in 2020 right now might not know because they were they were episodes that we did uh, with the authors uh, various times over the years of the last 10 years. The first one and still one of my favorite favorite HR Happy Hour shows we ever did. It's like it's in the double digits of HR Happy Hour. That's how old it was. Was uh, a book called Alone Together by Sherry Turkle and. yeah, still one of my favorite shows and still a great, great book. You know, it, it probably – I wish she wouldn't just publish an update to it. Be, but basically she was one of the very first authors or academics really to, to really begin researching the impact of technology and our relationships with each other. You know, essentially like we're spending all our time kind of buried in our phones and messaging each other and social networks were, were just booming at the time and just going through astronomical growth during that time and – Sherry Turkle kind of wanted to understand what that meant for uh, people's development, their uh, emotional intelligence, their their ability to relate to each other on a personal level. And it was really kind of opened my eyes to what the potentially some of the downside or the negative impact could have. You know, we talked about a little bit earlier about how, you know, things like this podcast and social networks and Twitter allow us to, to reach people all over the world, which is on the one hand amazing. But on the other hand, right, you know, there's really compelling evidence that's, that says it, it's also detracting from our ability to kind of understand each other as real people and, and relate to each other as real people as well. And I think Sherry Turkle was way ahead of the game on, on thinking about that and researching it. So that's one of my, it was one of my favorite books for sure of the decade. And it's also, it's back in the show archive as well. If anybody's interested in listening to it, um, just Google HR happy hour and Sherry Turkle and, uh, Great, great book and a great, great uh, conversation with her. That so that that one that's one that really stands out to me. Yeah, I do remember that show, and and I agree. That is, I, I hadn't even thought of that book in a long time. I'm, it makes me want to go back and listen to that episode too, because you're right. She, her, her thoughts on that were way ahead of everybody else at the time. And yeah. um, I don't know. Yeah. I'm still. I think there are so many people that will sort of you know, bash social media. And I think it's, it's a choice, right? It's a choice on, on how you connect with people, how you portray yourself. Um, for me, I'm, I'm certainly an optimist when it comes to, I think social media and technology and being able to connect to people globally has been, the, the benefits have far, far outweighed any of the negative aspects of it. But again, that's just a personal approach. I think mm-hmm. it's pretty authentic who you are and you're connecting with you know, other people who are pretty authentic. You have to either, you have to, you have to take it to another level. You have to either get on the phone with them, do video chats with them, go meet them in person eventually. Right. Then you can see they really are who they say they are. But yeah, I think there are a lot of people that are, you know, maybe lonely and, and get online and they, you can form pretty extreme views on a lot of different topics, right. By, 
who you surround yourself with and the way you, you choose to uh, engage. So mm-hmm. yeah, definitely some, some uh, pros and cons to social interaction through the technology we have. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was one that really stood out to me. There was a couple of others that are uh, less to do with work and the workplace and technology, but I guess just back in the day, I had, a, I cast a much wider net sometimes uh, for guests or, you know, just accepted more pitches, but we did a show. I, I don't remember what year I didn't look up the year, but we did a show with a, an author named Tracy McMillan and the book was called the American way of eating. And it was all about how, food gets, um, actually, there was a lot of, it was a lot of workplace issues in this, in this book, actually come to think of it, because it was all about um, how food gets to your table in America, right? So from the farms and the farm laborers and the, and the grocery store chain, the supply chain, and kind of the differences between big, big chains like Walmart and Target and how they operate versus local stores and just lots and lots of issues around, of course, how food is, is, is grown and processed and shipped. And and, I mean, it it was a fascinating book. And this was one where I think I was in the bookstore or I was in the airport one time and needed something to read maybe. And I just picked up the book and read it. And I was, I loved it so much. I reached out to the author or through, or maybe their PR people and, and she came on the show and it, it was a fascinating conversation and a really, really um, interesting topic as well. So that'd be the second one I pulled. So basically I pulled two books out that I read that we did shows about, but uh, both were, I thought, really, really important and interesting in much different ways, but that would be the second one. So, and I would recommend that for folks who are interested in this. It's called the, the American way of eating. I'm I'm sure you can still get it on Amazon. You know what we need to do now that we're talking about it? I think we need to have a post that just highlights links to any of the shows that we've done with books and with authors, because I think you would be surprised probably the diversity of, people and thoughts and topics that come up over the last decade um, that we've talked to. Oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't even mention um, one of my favorites, Kaya Oaks. Do you remember Kaya at all, Trish? She came on the show a couple of times. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I've yeah, kind of lost touch author. with her, which is kind of my bad, but I'll have to, I'll have to look her up and see what she's up to. But uh, we had her on twice. One, the one show was about indie music. I read one of her, her she wrote a book That's about right. indie music in the nineties, I guess it must've been. And, uh, I love that book. It's, the book was called slanted and enchanted by the way. And, uh, then right. a couple of years later, she wrote another book, which was about religion. It was, it was basically about, uh, her own kind of personal journey, kind of away from religion and back to religion. And we did a HR happy hour about that with her on religion. And I don't know, I just <laughs> found her a great, interesting person and, um, a really compelling author too. So, yeah, maybe we need to do a little bit more of that in 2020, Trish, like is get out of the box a little bit with, with some shows and, and experiment a little bit more. But uh, anyway, yeah, those were, those were two also shows I remember. Uh, I did note them down. I wasn't going to talk about them today, but since you mentioned it, I, I thought it was worth mentioning. Yeah, no, we definitely should. Definitely should. All right. All right, well, Trish, so we're 40 minutes we... in. How are, you, how are we feeling here on the live show? You're hanging in there? I'm hanging in here. I love this. And you know what? I'm also, I'm still watching my Tournament of Roses parade. We just moments ago had the queen and her court uh, go by. And she is beautiful. You know, it's funny. That was always something when I wanted to be the queen of I think that's what fascinated me the most. I was a little girl. And until I was probably a teenager, I realized you actually have to live in Pasadena to oh. be one of the courts. So. And there's a gotcha. lot of things that go into that. Gotcha. So yeah. never going to get 
Queen of the Rose Parade or anything involved with that. But what I would love to do one day is actually go out. I think you can sign up to work on some of the floats and help build them. So I think that would be fascinating to go and, you know, just really learn about them and all of the different, not just flowers, but all of the parts of, you know, flowers and things that go into and, and vegetables and fruits and sort of things and seeds, and, you know, berries and whatnot that go on those floats. So I would yeah. love to do that one day. Yeah, that would be cool. And I think that is a kind of a corporate thing as well, right? Don't companies sponsor those floats and they would, they do. you know, their, their employees volunteer to, to help build them and maybe even ride on them. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, yeah who knows? We'll see. One day, one day I will be there live. I've already penciled it in. We talked about this a few weeks ago. I penciled I it in for a remote show. So we're going to make it happen. So Trish, can I, can I throw out a topic before we, uh, so we get to it because I'm just – it's personally important to me. Okay. I want to talk about sports highlights from the last decade. Okay. I've got I've got go. two. Okay. I've got two. One is really, really just personally important to me, even though it ultimately ended up uh, not, not as, uh, as, as well as I would have liked. And the second one is related to the show. So the first one um, is – my beloved South Carolina Gamecocks men's basketball team reaching their first ever, ever final four, which happened in 2017. Trish, I'm sure you remember that. Yes, we were there. I have to tell you that was one of the coolest sport exper- experiences of my life going to that. And I have never been, gosh, I forget the number. If it was either 94,000 or 98,000 people in that stadium. I don't even remember, but it was. Yeah. I've never seen that many people together all at once. Um, yep. That was really cool. That was a really cool experience. I agree. Very, very cool experience. Ultimately, d- disappointing, though, as, as our beloved or my beloved South Carolina Gamecocks did lose in the national semifinals uh, in a very, very close game. But we had a great time. We rallied up the troops. We had a good, a good trip and a great, great time out there. So that was the, the single thing, right? And, and maybe more viscerally meaningful, too, because, you know, being there in person, right, makes it so much more meaningful than just other sporting experiences, like say the Super Bowl that you might watch on TV or, or whatever than it is. And that there are many other highlights, but right. in terms of just being there, that was certainly the one. So that would be my one. And can I throw out the one that's show related, maybe Trish, and we can talk about that just for a minute. Sure. I know you, you're going to think this one is, is a big deal too. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay. And I did find this on a list. I can't remember which sports site published this, but one of those lists of the greatest sporting achievements uh, of the decade and this was uh, also in 2017, uh, Alex Honnold, free solo ascent of El Capitan, oh, right? Yes. Happened in 2017, yes. which became the basis for that great documentary, Free Solo, and the basis for a show that we did on the topic of Free Solo. I know. Talk about great movie, great sporting event, achievement. I guess not an event, achievement. Um, yeah. I love him. You've, you've got to work on getting him on the show. I'm such a fan. Um, yes, and for anyone who who has still not seen Free Solo, do that. Mark that down as your New Year's resolution. Go do that this month. Check the box. Um, gosh, what Absolutely. a great story. Yeah. He's wonderful. Great, so great, me, great. Mm-hmm. I'm going to brag on my city, St. Louis. Go ahead. We have the St. Louis Cardinals World Series champions uh, 2011. Oh, wow. Reaching back to right. 2011. Okay. Well, we're in the decade. We're talking the decade here. <laughs> That's right. Okay. okay. And we are the current um, Stanley Cup holders for the St. Louis Blues. That's right. Very, very big. 
that's great. Yeah, very exciting. You did not that's sound good. very enthused. You did not sound like that was very exciting. I'll tell that you what, little Trish. Little I, little I, I, of all the of all the quote unquote major sports out there, the, the one I'm interested in the least is hockey. I, I don't know why. I just I I've not seen a hockey game in a very very long time. Um, you know, if a hockey game broke out in the backyard behind me, I'm not sure I'd get up and even look. So I, I, I love most sports, but hockey, for whatever reason, never really grabbed me. So, uh, but it's exciting. It's great to win. I do have a St. Louis blue shirt, you know, so I've got that. Oh, there you go. I think that's good. There's a couple of others. I, I had my beloved Liverpool uh, football club winning the Champions League last year uh, in May. Uh, that was fantastic. And as well as Tiger Woods winning the Masters. That was another huge, huge sporting event oh, in yeah. the last decade. Also happened in 2019. Um, his comeback from uh, just a litany of uh, personal and physical uh, problems over many years, right? And uh, for him to come back and win a major tournament was, uh, was a huge story and one of the highlights of the decade as well. So that, that you know, I don't want to, I could talk about sports all day, but uh, to me, the South Carolina one, Final Four, and Alex Tunnel, Free Solo, those are the big ones. Those are the standouts. Yeah, I agree. Those are good. All right. Should we move on to the next category? Hit it. What do you got? What do we, I'm, I'm, oh. I, had to, I had to switch from the coffee to the Diet Coke, so I'm running out of gas a little bit. So here we go. <laughs> so okay so we also the last the last sort of like list sort of thing we talked about for the decade were songs right and there are yeah. lots of lists people can go out and google and you know top 100 songs here or there and i you know it's interesting it's kind of like the list for books and movies it's sort of like you'll find a few favorites on there um and i always wonder like how do they decide right who who are they number one and how do they like, billboard who are they? You know, like, how did billboard decide right which ones are you know, is it the most sales, is it the most listens, is it the most impactful? Like, how do you measure, right? Like a lot of things. How do you actually measure what's, what's important? But, you know, I think it's funny. Um, we certainly don't need to go through, like, all the songs. There's a wide rise from country to pop to rap to, you know, everything under the sun. But it's fun to sort of look back and see, for me, not only what songs I found that, I related to or whatever, but also like, you know, being a parent, what my kids were listening to. Right. So I have 16 year old twins and, you know, so pretty much they're, you know, the time when they're really listening to music and, and getting into that sort of thing. It's been kind of fun to take a look back and see which songs are really important and which artists, you know, a lot from Mm -hmm. people like Taylor Swift or Ed Sheeran or, you know, some of the different country music artists and, and some of the rap artists. Um, even recently with Lizzo um, and you can, you can know, you educate me, Trish, for a second? Can, I'm going to stop you for a second. I, I don't. I've heard this name. I don't know. Lizzo is not. Lizzo could be playing hockey in my backyard, and I would not know who that was. What, what is? What is that? I don't know anything about this. She is. She's a really great artist. And here's the thing about Lizzo. She um, she's so popular right now. But what what impresses me most about her isn't just that she's sort of, you know, got a lot of great, I guess it's pop music is what I would probably classify her as. But she's all about body positivity. She's a bigger woman. Um, she fully owns it. She, you know, she really empowers women to be body positive about whatever shape and size you are. And she brings that to her performances as well as just a great singing voice. But she also... Um, went to college um, 
scholarship to play the flute, and I believe it was classical flute. So she's quite mm. talented musically as well. So she's a talented singer and musician. And I, I guess not, not a lot of yeah, not a lot of money playing the classical flute, though. I guess so. She she pivoted. It sounds like no. But the thing is, here's here's my challenge for you. So you can absolutely go out there and and you know look on YouTube, and you're going to see kind of the current stuff. I would say if you ever watch or listen to those NPR Tiny Desk concerts, watch the one with Lizzo. It's a couple years old. Um, it's it's seeing you know just a more raw, real performance and. Um, yeah, I think she's really good. I think she's good. All but right. Well, I'll, I've heard oh, the name. I'll check it out. I will Google Lizzo after the show and, and try just, to educate myself. She was on the last episode of Saturday Night Live for the year, and okay. with uh, Murphy, with Eddie Murphy, she was a musical guest. So again, mm. you'll see a, a more representative performance there of of her, you know, her style. But yeah, I think you know people really like her. She's real. She seems to be just you know unapologetically hmm. her which is really refreshing oh i like that unapologetically her i like that that could be a little slogan maybe for you trish Unapolo- you like unapologetically that? trish i like that i like that Ooh, okay maybe that's my new my new thing but <laughs> i mean don't so, admire people like that i think that's it maybe maybe to me when we think about songs and music that are or anything that's impactful to you it's when you really connect with an artist or an author, or someone who's just so real, and they they can't help but be real, mm-hmm. right? They're not writing for a certain audience. They're not singing for a certain audience. They're doing it for themselves, and I think you and I have talked over the years about even what we do um, in a small way is sort of like, you know, what we choose to write about, or talk about, or do. Like, if we do the show, we do it for us. Right, we have to do it what we're interested in. If we, if we write a blog post or an article, we write about what we're interested in. If other people buy into that idea or that thought, or they want to disagree with it, that's great. But it's authentically us, and we're not sorry for it, right? So yeah, I, no, I, I think that's really important. And you think about that, and that's a good a good reminder, Trish, as we were talking about some of the shows we've done over the years with some authors, whether it was a, a, a show about the food supply in America or religion or independent music or anything that we did movies that we like, you know, I I think it's important for us to just, even for us to remember that as we, as we take on, you know, 2020 and beyond and and doing the things we do that we're uh, what we're speaking about, what we're writing about and what we're, we're doing the podcast on is to, is to, is to, is to stay authentic to ourselves, right. And what we believe is important and, and interesting and, and maybe fun sometimes, but yeah, you're right. I think that's the only way to do it. Otherwise, you're you're kind of just pandering, or you're just, you know, you're trying to speak to an audience that in an inauthentic manner, and, and eventually they'll figure it out. I think. Oh, I think so. Well, and also I think there are just there are two schools of thought. There's that one, and then there's the other, which is I'm just going to be someone who's so controversial and and basically start shit for the sake of starting shit, right? So that you get <laughs> more more you know, more readers, more listeners, more what that's fine. That works too. Right. But it's a yeah. whole different type of audience. And so what I have found valuable over, over my career, and hopefully I think you too, is that whether it's someone who's listening to this podcast, whether it's someone who is connecting on social media, whether it's someone who's reading a blog post or an article, or even, you know, customers that, uh, that work with us, I think it's the reason that connection is there is because we are real 
we are ourselves and that doesn't change. And yeah. we're not doing yeah. it for the sake of like, oh, here's the, the buzzword of the day that we need to really, you know, write to or speak to. No, we're going to talk about what we want to talk about. It's our show. We've talked about this a lot over the years. Is, you know what? If it, it was like doing the Oscar show or the NBA shows or, you know, any of the shows that were not traditionally HR shows. It's the HR happy hour. And most of it, we do try and tie to work workforce issues. But if we want to do a show that's completely not about work or about human resources, we do it because yeah. it's our show, right? Like, I think there's something to that. So, absolutely, anyway. absolutely. So, so I don't want to let the music discussion, we, 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 we drifted a little bit, which is great. It was really interesting, but I, I do want to, I'm prepared a little bit here, Trish, on the music side. I did spend oh, some time on this. Okay. I mean, just a little backstory. I shared this with you in, in our pre-show prep, but yesterday uh, was a beautiful day here uh, where I live. And while I was outside uh, barbecuing and smoking some just, just honestly, some delicious chicken I made, by the way, it's unrelated. But um, while that was happening, I listened back to the only music I really listened to probably in the last decade. As you said, Chris, you're influenced sometimes by the music your kids like. And so the station that right. I would listen to in the car with my son, who's uh, 18 now, almost 19, was uh, the alternative rock station on Sirius XM, which is uh, Channel 36. Mm-hmm. And they have played their top 36 songs of the decade, right? That, of, of the type of music that's played on the alternative rock channel. So they created a, right. a package, a special of these 36 songs, which I listened to in its entirety yesterday. It was about three some hours long, but it was a pretty long wow. took, honestly. So it worked out fine. But, uh, <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh my God, that's a great song. That's a great song. That's a great song. And I was looking back as we did, we're doing the show here live today, which we, uh, you know, we used to do all the time. And, and so many of these songs I had some clips on. And so Trish, this song here, I'm going to play just a snippet of it for you. I can play this here because I found it in our archive. Uh, this, yeah, listen, give a listen to this for just a few seconds and then I'll, I'll stop it. Hang on. You remember that song, right, Trish? Pumped Up Kick? I do. Foster the People. Yeah. That was number three, actually, on the Alt Nation top 36 songs of the decade. And when I did love, I wrote it down as I was listening to the uh, the special last night. And uh, I was glad to see we must have played that on the show at some point uh, in the past. I remember my kids being really little liking that song. And I just felt like those lyrics were just completely inappropriate. I felt like such a mom, you know, when I sort of that song, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that is one of the songs that if you, if you, it's happy and peppy. And if you just kind of listen to the melody, you think that's what it is. And if you read the lyrics, it's, it's something else entirely, but um, number three on the list, since we're number one, I'll tell, I don't have a clip here to play. Um, but the number one alternative rock song of the decade, and one that I remember very well as well, it's called Cold War Kids, was the band, the song's called First, you might remember from a couple oh. of years ago, was a, was a really, really big hit. So uh, to, to me, those were two songs that that um, very, very important. And then finally, I'll just mention this because it came up on the, on the countdown, and for long time, our regular listeners of the show will recognize this as part of our um, our uh, outro music, I believe, is M83, Midnight City. Uh, a song I loved forever, and I'm I'm shocked I don't have a clip for it here to play right now. But um, uh, that was probably my single favorite um, song because I we've had it on the bumper for the show for about eight years. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's crazy. So, all right. We hit movies. We hit books. So, I did look on the billboard for just more like pop music or, you know, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Um, It's funny what winds up being. So, number one, they have Uptown Funk with Mark Ronson and Bruno Mars. Okay. Number two, number two is the Party Rock Anthem, LMFAO. Oh, I think I know uh, that one. Okay. Ed Sheeran, number three, Shape of You. Mm. Uh, number four is Chainsmokers, Closer. And number five is Maroon 5 featuring Cardi B, Girls Like You. Wow. So, again, probably not the five I would pick, but that's, that's where we are. For the decade, according to Billboard. <laughs> nice. Again, I think right. it goes on how you know how long, how many weeks did it spend at number one? Um, how many countries did it top the charts in? As well as you know how many times did the song go platinum and so forth? So all those things factor in. Yeah. So yeah. I, 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 after listening to that special yesterday, I've, I've kind of made a note to myself, I really should listen to some more music because I've kind of gotten out of it in the last year or two. Uh, particularly while yeah. you know, Patrick away uh, to college in the fall. Some people might know that who know me. And uh, so I'm not in the car with him really at, at all anymore because he's not here. And so oh, yeah. I, uh, I've been listening to less music in the car. I tend to listen to more news or podcasts or things like that in the car. But um, Trish, we've got two and a half minutes left on the live stream here. Um, is there right. anything we just want to make sure that makes this for folks who might be listening live that we hit? Maybe just uh, real quick, uh, stuff that's coming up in 2020 we're excited about. Um, you want to go first or you want me to hit it? No, you go first. All right. I would say for us, or for us, for the show for us, of course, another big year on the HR Happy Hour, very soon to make an announcement of some new show partners and sponsors. I can't wait to make that announcement. It's coming up very soon. And then, um, yeah, just the events we've got lined up, of course, HR Tech, which I'll be working on all year long. Um, and you can talk about this if you want, HR Tech China coming up again this year, which is going to be super exciting. And uh, hopefully the opportunity to get back to Spain. I was able to do a, a, an event in Spain a few months ago, and uh, I'm working hard on, on getting, uh, getting that going again in the spring. So lots of fun coming up, uh, lots, of, lots of events, lots of travel, but also lots and lots of great HR happy hour shows. That's what I'm excited about for 2020. Oh, see, I think that's great. No, I think um, this decade, we've talked about this before, the amount of, when I think back to starting the decade, still an HR practitioner, um, did a little bit of speaking, not a ton, you know, three or four times a year, which to me felt like a ton. Um, Over the years, I've been really lucky that being able to be asked to go and speak different cities and different countries. Um, For example, you and I are, are speaking actually with Sherm this month and just a couple weeks here at um, one of their people analytics conferences and, and that's in Seattle. I've never been to Seattle. So really looking forward to that. I love going to new cities, getting HR practitioners. Um, You did mention HR Tech China. So I've been the chairperson, uh, took that on last year, doing that again this year. That's going to be in June. People can definitely check out our website for more information about that. Um, you know, just looking back over the decade, too, you know, we started HR Evolution um, with Crystal Peterson, Eubanks, and then eventually Matt Salik joined. We actually did nine 
HR Evolution events in this last decade. And, um, you know, that's something I'm really proud of, too. I feel like we've we've really tried to, without an initial plan, I think when you look at our body of work as HR professionals, as HR technology professionals, and then as, as writers, as podcasters, as event organizers, you know, we've sort of thrown ourselves into it. But what what my takeaway is over the last decade is just that if you are someone who is feeling like you want more involvement in your own industry, whatever that might be, there are so many opportunities. You can meet people online who are like-minded, who want to do something big as well. And it, you know, it comes pretty easily. It's almost, it comes too easily sometimes, right? People are full of ideas and um, lots of exciting things can come about. So that's probably my biggest takeaway for the decade is just to really be appreciative of all of the people that you and I have come into contact with um, that now forms what we do as our, our career going forward. Yeah. Yeah. Well said, Trish. And it's uh, going to be a great year, I think uh, all the way around. I'm excited for it. Um, it's uh, lots of great, great events, lots of great opportunities to meet more people, lots of uh, interesting times. Like we talked about at the very beginning of the show, one of the best times to be in this space, being in HR, being in HR technology, you know, being in, in talent and workforce management. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be a great, great year. So, all right. I think we did it, Trish. We are, we actually kicked into, remember the after show back in the day, right? When we did the live shows every week, uh, we we did kick into after show mode here a couple of minutes ago. So we ran a little bit long, but that's go. okay. Yeah, it's a holiday. I'm just scrolling through uh, the backlog of old song clips here to figure out which one to play on our way out, though. Hmm, let's see. Yeah, play a good one on the way out. All right. Hang hey, on. Yeah, I know. There's so much here. Oh, my God. Uh, okay. Hmm. All right, someone's calling me. Why are people calling me during the live show, Trish? Oh, I don't know. Oh, well, how about this? Uh, uh, let's go with uh, – boy, this is really compelling now. If you're still listening, uh, thank you. So, um, All right, Trish, I'm going I'm I'm to talk this out, and I'll play something. Um, my name is Steve Bose. Thank you so much for listening to the HR Happy Hour Show. Trish McFarland, thank you. You have a great and wonderful rest of New Year's Day. You as well. All right. And uh, remember to subscribe to the HR Happy Hour Show wherever you get your podcasts, including this year on Spotify, which we got on to in 2019. So I'm excited about that. So thanks again for listening to the HR Happy Hour Show. We will see you next time. And bye for now.